Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome to the Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Diving stop, Seager. Toss on up the first. In time to get seven. Three-run homer. Robinson can off the lefty specialist, Fernando Abad. And the Mariners lead it five to four. Goodbye, baseball. Straight away, center field. Cano and Cruz go back to back. And the king, when the Mariners needed him the most, two hits over seven. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. All right, welcome back, Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast at Mariners Pod on Twitter. Thanks for being here once again as the Mariners sweep aside the White Sox over the weekend. We have a ton to get to in this podcast. We're going to dive into the weekend series against the White Sox. We'll take a look at Houston. That starts tonight. Mariners first of three. Taking on the Houston Astros, the red-hot Houston Astros. So we'll take a look at that. And Jerry DePoto, general manager, will be here as well. So a giant podcast. It's going to sound a little different in the middle as we break down the game yesterday. Uh, Go in-depth yesterday and also some incredibly great bumpers composed by Matt Nelson, who uh, once in a while I take a moment to thank some people that help put this together uh, especially the board engineers that work the games matt nelson uh, matt harden who had done it for a long long time years and years and years uh, just left a couple of weeks ago so our many many thanks to matt harden so matt nelson doing a lot of work now and uh very much appreciated there's so many people that uh, that just wouldn't happen without their work, and those are a couple of them, Matt Harden and Matt Nelson. So big thanks to them, and you get to hear, hear some of Matt Nelson's creativity as we move through this podcast. Big weekend, though, for the Mariners. The first games back, we've talked about the Mariners needed a strong start to the second half, and they certainly did that. On Friday, Robinson Cano, a big blast to get things cooking for the M. First pitch here to Robbie Shields out of the stretch. Long hold and a pitch to Robbie. Swung on and sent deep to right center field. Ball's got some carry, and it's gone. Three-run homer, Robinson Cano, and the Mariners have a 3-1 lead here in the third. A bullet for Robinson Cano, home run number 18, and it takes RBI count to 63. Picking up where he left off in the All-Star game. So Mariners take game one of the series. James Paxton pitched well on that one as the Mariners 
win four to two in game one. Game two, another close ball game. This time, Nelson Cruz, a big blast. Three two to Cruz, the pitch. Swung on and driven deep to center field. That ball's got carry. That ball's got length. It's out of here. Two run homer, Nelson Cruz. Boom, stick baby, and the Mariners have the lead. So Mariners win game two of the series, another close one, four to three. So that set the table for Sunday. Not a great start to Sunday, though, as the White Sox opened up a lead early. Here's the windup and the pitch to Garcia. Swung on, fly ball, center field, and deep. Heredia going back to the warning track near the wall. Leaps up. Goodbye, baseball. Avisel Garcia with his 12th home run of the season has just given the White Sox an early 1-0 lead here in the bottom of the second. Jumping on Andrew Moore's first pitch of the inning. Yeah, White Sox playing a lot of long ball, and that wasn't Garcia's only home run. Pitch. Swung on and driven deep to left. It's high. Going back, Motter. He's just watching it sail out of here. 15 rows back left field straight away. Two-run homer, Garcia. His second homer in as many at-bats, and the lead now is 5-0 for Chicago. 5-0, Chicago leading after three, and it was just one of those days where everything was going Chicago's way early. The windup and the 0-2, swinging a ground ball back to the mound, a one-hopper at backhand. It's stopped by Derek Holland, can't get the ball out of his glove. He throws the glove with the ball in it to the first baseman, Abreu, for the out on Cano. Holy smokes, what a putout by the pitcher, Derek Holland. On his follow-through, he reached behind his back to make the stop on the oh, one-hopper. Then the ball got stuck in the webbing of his glove, ran toward first, tried to get the ball free, could not. The ball stuck in the webbing, so he just tossed the glove with the ball in it right over to Abreu and got the out on Cano. What a play by Derek Holland. One out. I mean, it was unbelievable. He reached back, not looking, just kind of like a basketball player would throw a behind-the-back pass, just sweeping his glove in air. And look what I found. The ball pops in there. He tried to take it out to throw. So he ran halfway and just lobbed the entire glove to first base to record the out. And it was just one of those days early on. It left you wondering after the first few innings how this one would unfold. But the Mariners would start their march back in that same inning, in the fourth, as Kyle Seeger goes yard. The windup and the pitch to Seeger. Swing and a fly ball deep into right field. Garcia to the track, to the wall. Looks up. Goodbye, baseball. Kyle will take that instead. A home run is 12th of the year. Home runs in back-to-back games for Kyle Seeger. Number 12 on the season. Mariners get on the board against Derek Holland here in the fourth, and it's now the White Sox 5 and the Mariners 1. Kyle Seeger with a home run to right field. And then in the fifth inning, the Mariners would get back to work. They would put Gamel on with a base hit. Zanino would follow with a base hit. Then a fielder's choice error would load him up. They'd get a sack fly from Gene Segura at the top. So a run comes home. They get two back at that point with the home run, then the sack fly. And then Danny Valencia lands a huge, huge blow in this game. Here's the pitch. Swung on. Well hit ball. Deep to left field. And this ball game is tied at 5-5. Five to five. Danny Valencia with a three-run home run here in the top of the fifth inning. And the Mariners have come back to tie it at five. Home run number 10 on the year for Danny Valencia. And it comes with Mike Zanino and Taylor Motter aboard. And it's now the Mariners five and the White Sox five. What a comeback by the Mariners this afternoon. No doubt. No doubt. They come back to tie it at 5-5. And then in the sixth inning, 
Bases loaded again. And the Mariners would take the lead. And the pitch to Segura. Break him up. Gets away from the catcher and scoring easily is Heredia. Mariners lead 6-5. The other runners move up. So a wild pitch puts the Mariners in front. Wild pitch there. The Mariners take the lead. It is 6-5. And then some defensive gems along the way to keep the game exactly where it was. First pitch swung on and hit the singer back in. Going for the runner at third. Can't get him thrown to first. He gets Melky Cabrera. What a play. Seager diving towards the line. The runner was straying. Almost got him. Recovered quickly. Throws over a one hop to retire Milky Cabrera at first. What a play. That is one of those that is worth going to Mariners.com to look at for yourself because that was a beauty of a play from Kyle Seager. Runner at third base after they sacrifice him over. Hanson leadoff double. So runner at third, one out. And just a blistering ball down the line. Seager dives at it. He dives he makes the stop, then dives at third base to try and get the runner diving back to third base as well. So both players are diving back to third. He beats Seager back to the bag. So Hanson's safe at third, but Seager throws a rocket on one hop and gets the out at first base after the dive to third. He gets the out, and then a couple strikeouts later, uh, after, an RBI, after an RBI double, Abreu would drive in a run, but the inning could have been worse. The White Sox do push one across, but without that play, uh, maybe they tack on a couple more. So after that inning is over, it is six to 6-6. Six. Bullpen was outstanding in this one. We're going to have more on that as we continue. A ton of strikeouts piling up from the M's bullpen. And then in the 10th, Nelson Cruz leading things off in extra innings, and he would get the green light. And a 3-0 to Nelly. Swung on and driven deep to left. Down the line. Staying fair. Bye-bye. Boom. Stick, baby. Another home run for Nelson Cruz. This guy is awesome, and he isn't. He's something. 3-0 green light hammer time. And then Edwin Diaz would come on again in the 10th inning to try and lock this one down. He was dominant. And the pitch. And swing and a miss. That's the ball game. Struck him out. Edwin Diaz strikes out the side. And the Mariners win it 7-6. And they complete their first three-game sweep in Chicago since 2003. And the Mariners moved to 46-47, and one game under 500. Dominating performance by Edwin Diaz in the 10th inning. And Diaz capped off what was a tremendous job by the bullpen. They were unbelievable in this one. In fact, you know, when you pick your MVP for this ball game, it's easy to pick Nelson Cruz. You know, he had the home run to break the tie in the 10th inning. Kyle Seeger, a big home run early on. Danny Valencia, the three-run blast that made a difference in the fifth. But if you're going to pick an MVP for this one, you can give it to the whole bullpen. They were outstanding in this one. Moore, who struggled early, which young pitcher, you know it's going to happen at some point. He goes three, gives up six hits, five runs from there. Pagan, two and a third. Crucial innings. One hit and no runs. And that's when the Mariners started their charge back. Pazos, an inning and a third. He gave up the run. Ciszek, an inning and a third, a hit, no runs. Vincent, a clean inning. Again, he continues to dominate. Diaz, one inning, no hits, no runs, no walks, and three punchouts, 12 pitches, nine strikes, dealing. The bullpen combined goes seven innings in this one. Three hits, one run, three walks, and six strikeouts. So your Wells Fargo MVP, 
It goes to the bullpen. Proud supporter of Seattle Mariners Radio. Call, click, or stop by to start a conversation with us today. Wells Fargo, building better every day. And, in fact, that was the story of this series, the bullpen. When you look at the work they did, a 0-6-4 ERA in this three-game sweep of the White Sox, 14 innings pitched, one earned run happened today. Five hits, five walks, and 16 strikeouts in 14 innings. That is dominant work by this pen, and it has been part of a long run of domination. We have more on that as we continue, but this is a tremendous win for the Mariners. They get the sweep. The windup and the pitch to Seager. Swing and a fly ball deep into right field. Garcia to the track, to the wall. Looks up. Goodbye baseball. Kyle will take that instead. A home run is 12th of the year. Home runs in back-to-back games for Kyle Seager. Number 12 on the season. Mariners get on the board against Derek Holland here in the fourth, and it's now the White Sox five and the Mariners one. Kyle Seager with a home run to right field. My kind of town, Chicago is. My kind of town, Chicago is. Yeah, I'm letting it play. You can sing it in your car or wherever you are out there. Chicago is the Mariners' kind of town as they sweep aside the White Sox. First time in a long time they've done that. It just continues for this bullpen. Now, you look at the month of July, a 1.59 ERA. That is the low in Major League Baseball for the month of July. 39 and two-thirds innings, including today, 24 hits, seven earned runs, 15 walks, and 44 strikeouts as a group right now absolutely dominating. This is a great win, a terrific win for the Mariners as they get the sweep over the White Sox. It's swung on, well hit ball, deep to left field, and this ball game is tied at 5-5. Five to five. Danny Valencia with a three-run home run here in the top of the fifth inning, and the Mariners have come back to tie it at five. Home run number 10 on the year for Danny Valencia. And it comes with Mike Zanino and Taylor Motter aboard. And it's now the Mariners 5 and the White Sox 5. What a comeback by the Mariners this afternoon. Don't call it a comeback. You can't call it a comeback. That's exactly what the Mariners did. They come from behind, trailing 5-0 to beat the White Sox in 10 innings to sweep aside Chicago 7-6, the final the Mariners get the win now just one game below 500. They've won four in a row. Great work all the way around. Let's uh, head to Chicago and hear from the skipper. Here's Scott Service. Really uh, down 5 nothing early uh, in the game. Took my head to our offense. Guys just kept hanging in there. Seager, big homer. Valencia, huge, getting us you know, back to even. And then uh, I thought we had enough with the lead there. But uh, our bullpen was outstanding today uh, from Pagan. You know, uh, get the big double play from Pezos. Uh, even Shrek, you know, threw the ball good after giving up the, the ball down the line to Abreu. And, and I thought Diaz was outstanding today. That's probably the best we've seen Eddie Diaz all year. So, uh, and again, Nick Vincent, just kind of under the radar, uh, does a great job. So, uh, total team effort. Uh, obviously, Andrew Moore was not on top of his game today. Just didn't have the fastball command. And that's his, his, that's his strength. You know, being able to go both sides with the fastball and, and work all the other stuff in. He just didn't have it today. So, you know, thankful for us, we had a pretty rested pen, and Pagan was able to get into the game. 
with Diaz, what has he learned from the last couple of nights against the White Sox? Because there was no doubt. Today. Yeah, he was really focused today. Uh, I think, you know, uh, yeah, he was able to get some saves here early, but not really on top of his game. When he gets ahead in the count and then really located the slider, I think he only made one mistake with the slider today, and that was to, to Garcia um, before he wiped him out with the last one. So, uh, he can be electric, and when he's on, it is, doesn't get any better than Eddie Diaz. Scott, you talked about starting the second half in a positive manner. I guess it doesn't get any more positive than a sweep on the road to start the first three games. Yeah, we don't, we're playing good ball. Uh, I think our guys, are, they understand it. We're kind of up against it. We need to kind of turn it on here, uh, you know, heading into, you know, on this road trip. And, you know, we stubbed our toe a little bit before the break, but it's nice to see guys come back refreshed. A lot of energy uh, in our clubhouse, in our dugout, and it's playing out on the field. With Andrew Moore, it is the first time that we've seen him have kind of those struggles. What was his initial reaction when you talked to him and when he came out? Well, I mean, he was disappointed. You know, he wanted to give us a better effort than that. That's not used to, he's not used to that, having that happen to him. You know, I mean, he's been very consistent throughout his minor league career and so far for us in the big leagues. But, you know, on the road, if you're not locating that fastball, you know, the way the ball was kind of getting out of here today, it can happen. So he'll learn from it. He'll be fine. He'll get the ball again and, and go from there. It's kind of like the second time through versus Holland. You guys really started to put pressure on him. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, Holland was throwing a lot of off-speed stuff, breaking balls in particular. Uh, our guys were starting to wait him out a little bit and stay with it. You know, not just always look up there looking for the fastball. Understand he's got other weapons to get you out, and I thought we made some good adjustments. Again, the, the home run that Valencia hit was huge. That's the one that got us back totally into the game. But the at-bats were good, you know, for the majority of the day. About Valencia, I mean, you talk about Vincent being under the radar. I don't know much of the league is recognized with Valencia yeah, he really has. Uh, it's been key. I uh, like hitting him in the two-hole against the lefties. Um, you know, he adds a, the power dimension there. But the bats are good. And I think his, his uh, defense at first base really goes underrated. You know, the double play that Pazos got, again, started by Valencia. Um, it's been a nice addition to our club. You know, after that first month, he's relaxed and just gone out and played. And, and the numbers are showing. I mentioned Edwin Diaz a moment ago. Yeah, he was lights out. One inning, three strikeouts. He threw all of 12 pitches, nine of them strikes, just mowing through the White Sox order in the 10th inning, going one, two, three to lock this one down. Here's what the Mariners' closer had to say. I think I've been throwing the ball pretty good. Today was a great outing for me. You know, made my pitches down and away, my fastball up and in, my slider down and away. You know, I just tried to keep it simple today. You know, I got a lot of confidence right now. I just follow the culture and make my patience. This is your third day in a row. Do you feel like you're in a good rhythm when you've gone three days like this? Yeah, you know, yes, I was a little bit shaky. I, I came to the early, work out a little bit on mechanics, mm-hmm. you know, throw a little bit on the mound, you know, and today I, I see good results. You know, I threw the ball pretty good today. Is that an adjustment you had to make yesterday during the game, too? No, yeah, just I didn't make any adjustment. Just they come to me and t- told me I stay calm. You know, uh, when they told me that, you know, I, I know I can. I need to stay back a little bit with my with my body and my arm. And, you know, make my patience. Is that what Mike was telling you? I saw him tap his shoulder a couple of times. Stay back. Yeah, stay back. Yeah, that, that means stay back. You know, it was I I pulled in a couple of passwords today. You know, it told me to stay back. You know, and after I stay back, you know, I made all my pitches. Did you go tomorrow? One of us. Uh, I'll be ready if they if they call me. You know, I will pitch and try to win tomorrow again. But you feel strong enough? Yeah, I feel I feel good too. I feel good today. You know, I hope I feel good tomorrow. Let's see. Yeah, that's the question moving into tomorrow as the Mariners will take on the Astros. What kind of shape will the bullpen be in? Vincent three days in a row, Diaz three days in a row as a unit pitching 14 innings in three days. But, hey, you take the win today and you deal with tomorrow, tomorrow as they sweep aside the Chicago White Sox. Mariners have won four in a row.
And a 3 0 to Nelly. Swung on and driven deep to left. Down the line. Staying fair. Bye bye. Boom. Stick, baby. Another home run for Nelson Cruz. This guy is awesome. And he isn't. He's something. 3 0 green light. Hammer time. Stop. Hammer time. Every time you see me, the hammer's just so high. Terrific win for the Mariners, and Matt Nelson has risen to the occasion. His bump's coming back. Just the best hammer time as the Mariners get the win over the White Sox. They sweep aside the White Sox. That Nelson Cruz homer in the 10th inning. The difference, M's win 7-6. And the pitch, and swing and a miss. That's the ball game. Struck him out. Edwin Diaz strikes out the side, and the Mariners win it 7-6. And they complete their first three-game sweep in Chicago since 2003. And the Mariners moved to 46 and 47, one game under 500. Dominating performance by Edwin Diaz in the 10th inning. I heard my mom cry. I heard a brave night Chicago die. Mariners get the sweep over the White Sox. Talk about what's next for the Mariners. Won't be easy. Houston Astros on deck for three games before returning home for a nice long homestand. Yankees for four, Red Sox for three, then the Mets come in for three. But first things first, they'll take on the Houston Astros. Here's how it sets up. Ariel Miranda on the mound, 5-10 first pitch coming up tomorrow. Lance McCullers will go for Houston 7-2, a 3-0-5 ERA. He's been outstanding. Miranda 7-4, a 4-1-5. You heard Edwin Diaz talking about if they need him, he can go again tomorrow. That would be his fourth day in a row. Vincent in the same spot. So some questions if they do have a lead, which they certainly hope they do late in the ballgame, who is exactly available. No question, though, they could use a strong start for Miranda and give the bullpen some innings. Uh, TBA officially on Tuesday. Brad Peacock will get the call for the Astros. He's had a nice year, 7-1 with a 2-6-3. He was scheduled to start when Houston was in town last, but on paternity leave, so he'll get the call in Game 2 of the series. Game 3, 11-10 start on Wednesday. James Paxson will take his turn, TBA, for Houston in Game 3 of the series. So Mariners, winners of four in a row. They sweep aside the White Sox. They'd love to get a series win against the Astros, but that is easier said than done as Houston just continues to roll. They win again today. Hey, Jerry, good to have you. Thank you, as always, for making some time for us here in the magazine. Uh, This has been a a fine start to the second half for your ball club, and uh, the bullpen in particular has been a ton of fun to watch. And Mike and I have remarked the last couple of nights, it's it's hard to think of the back end of a bullpen right now. We don't just just mean eight and nine innings, but six, seven, eight, and nine in some cases, that is much better than the Mariners right now. No, we, we've actually, for most of the last two or three months, our bullpen's been pretty good. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the overall numbers can get skewed by the fact that we have worn a couple of crooked numbers in lopsided games along the way, that which they're ours to wear. You know, sure. you can't take them away. But it doesn't really reflect on the job that Edwin and Ciszek and Vincent and Zepchinski and Pazos and Zick have done. You know, those six guys have been really good for us for most of the season. And in cases of Nick Vincent and, and James Pazos all year, they, they've been very good. 
So I, we like that group. We'd like to add to that group and find one more piece to, to add to the mix. And maybe that piece is Emilio Pagan, who's been throwing extraordinarily well for us uh, really all year long, but particularly over the last month. And, you know, we also have Shea Simmons on the mend, who's throwing in the mid to upper 90s now on his rehab outing. And, and at least we see something of hope on the horizon with Shea. I think that I was just told by our producer on the TV side, Curtis Wilson, said that your bullpen, a 267 ERA since May 21st, which is the best in baseball, and that includes them giving up 10 against Minnesota, which, by the way, I believe Ruiz gave up three of those, so he's killing you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been amazing to watch these guys and what they've been able to do. Obviously, they're hot coming out of the break the last two nights. They've really pitched well. But is this kind of what you envisioned when you mentioned Ciszek healthy, Zick looked like he's on the men? Just the depth of it, because I made the comment, yesterday that I like this bullpen better than any, not just because they've been so good over the last two months, but the depth of it. Diaz, obviously electric, and Vincent's been phenomenal, but you probably have a couple of guys that aren't available today because of the last two days, but you have guys in place now because they're healthy to take up the slack. And it's a big thing for us. And, you know, mid-season when we were waiting for, for Tony to, to be able to bounce back on back-to-back days like he's now capable of doing, when we were waiting for Steve Ciszek to return to the roster. It was a little bit tougher for us to navigate. The multi-inning reliever became a really important component of our bullpen. And some guys did a better job than others, but generally everybody kept us in a game. But for the most part now, we can run out. Last year, Steve Ciszek was a 25-save guy who threw in the eighth and ninth inning for us. And last night we were nursing a one-run lead, and we ran him out there in the sixth inning. Right. And, and, and we have the ability to do that with this bullpen there are a lot of, of different elements and matchup components for Scott to use. And you know, tonight, I, I think for today's game, we'd like to stay away from Tony Zick, but he only threw six pitches. Mm-hmm. So if, if we need to use him to, to go win the game, I think we'll use him. Otherwise, I believe everybody's in play and we should be good to go. When, when you look at your ball club and you talk about the bullpen, I made the comment um, how important it's going to be for Paxton and Felix to pitch well and to pitch deep into ball games. Paxton was awesome in the first game back. Felix did a phenomenal job pitching out of trouble because he was in a lot of it last night. But when you look at this club, you have Andrew Moore going today, a young kid. I, I look more at the veteran guys and the guys that you've put at the top of the rotation to maybe take some of the pressure off the rest of them. Sure. And then you always look to the veteran players, particularly as you get down into July and August, to, to lead the way. They've been there before. Right. And, you know, it's very hard in a playoff race to, to predict what young players will do. And our young players have truly carried us to the point we are. And they've performed extraordinarily well. So now it's the time for our veteran core players in the middle of that lineup and Felix and Paxton and the guys down in the bullpen, the C-Shacks and the Vincents and the Zepchinskis who've been there before to step up and, and to do the things that, that veteran players do. And, and, and they do that. Uh, they, they've shown it. Last year they stepped up. And at that critical point of our season, they really performed as well as they had all year long. And I'm, I'm confident that they'll do it again. I, I couldn't have been happier with how Pax threw the ball coming out of the break. It was maybe my favorite start of the year, largely because it got us off to a to a positive start in a really tough part of our schedule. And we're going to have to win tough games. There's no question about it. Jerry DePoto is our guest here on Mariners Magazine. We have a chance to see Andrew Moore make his first road start this year. Three quality starts to open up his young career. And uh, he flies in, con- in the face of convention for a pitching prospect today, right? I mean, this is not a guy who has defined the uh, bounds of a radar gun. Uh, Mariners fans have been able to see him a little bit, Jerry, but I'm interested in your perspective on your interactions with Andrew Moore, the guy, the person away from the field. I actually would describe him away from the field the same way I would describe him on the field. You know, 
He's collected. He's mature. He is. It's a clinic in how to prepare, how to prepare to live your life, how to eat the right way, how to make sure you get your your work done in the weight room. Everything has its order. He keeps a book on the hitters he faces. He knows what he's doing every day. It's 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 like the hospital corner is pitching prep, and you know <laughs> the bed is going to be well made. And and as a result, I think at a very young age with very limited major league experience or even professional experience, mm-hmm. uh, Andrew Moore's pitched for two years. Uh, the the ability to walk out on the major league mound and and dictate the action largely due to his ability to command the ball as a, it's really representative of his personality he's a he's a great guy he's easy to talk to he's very advanced in his ability to look at both the the conventional levels of preparation and maybe the more ad, advanced analytic levels of preparation he's willing to try new things to push the envelope uh in in terms of his his delivery mechanics he's uh he's a curious guy who's always willing to ask the next question and and i think as far as the the level of maturity for a player that's that young in a major league clubhouse he fit in in 30 seconds and you could tell it the very first day in spring training talk a little bit it it was interesting i was thinking about this last night and and in fact aaron and i we were laughing about it watching gene segura gets a couple of hits early and and Aaron made the comment that he's he's due for three because that's kind of what he does but can you talk about him when you had him in Anaheim um, trading him away deciding to bring him back here um, your expectations of him and where he's at so far well I I will say this about Gene I I laughingly I went and put my arm around him at the hitting cage uh, when we were on that last homestand I said I said now you're getting hot (laughs) and and he looked at me goes nah you'll know when I'm hot I get three or four a day (laughs) that's true and and, and he's right but you know I I did I had the pleasure of meeting Gene as a minor leaguer uh, when I uh, took the job in Anaheim as the general manager he was an A-ball player and uh, had just moved through the A-levels and we added him to the 40-man roster my first year there he played at double A and the our general feeling in Anaheim was that somewhere between shortstop second base or even third base he was going to be an everyday player he was going to be a top of the order hitter we loved the hit tool uh, on a grading scale of 80 we had it as a 70 hit tool mm. we did not see the the potential for 20 homer power which he obviously has shown I it, it, really per rate he's on a similar pace this year to did what he have he a similar build back then he, he, oh, yeah. he's a stocky guy yeah he's just the the uh, affectionately referred to him as Tortuga downstairs <laughs> and uh, you know he's, he is he's a stocky athletic guy I always referred to him for those who followed the Dallas Cowboys in the 70s he's Robert Newhouse he's, <laughs> you know it's a he's the fullback and, and and he doesn't have to just block he can he can move like Barry Sanders when the need be I think the one thing for me that that we've been robbed of seeing that Gene is uh, Gene is one of the higher impact base runners in baseball over the course of the last three or four years or five years and due to the, the issues he's had with his lower half, particularly that high ankle sprain, we're not able to see that part of his game in, in, in its grandeur. He's actually quite good on the bases. So uh, he's an electric athlete who really understands how to play the game. And, and I think what you're seeing with Gene is, is a level of maturity year over year. 2016 into 17, 16 was a breakout. Many people asked the question, could he do it again? I think he's giving a pretty convincing answer. Uh, you know, he's he's not hitting in a in a super hitters environment, and yet he's still hitting 353 with, with and doing damage. And we've got a shortstop who's throwing up an OPS that's varied from the mid to to high 800s, which is exactly what he did last year in the National League. Defensively, 
Defensively, Gene, the range issue with Gene going to his glove side was something in double A that was identified as, ah, I don't know if he's going to be able to do this in the big leagues, but has a strong arm. And when Gene loads up, you can see it. I think he's not naturally because he's not a longer-limbed guy. He's not naturally a guy who's going to fluidly cover a lot of ground out there, but he is an athletic twitch guy. He makes the play very well going back up the center. The ball to his glove side, the question was always whether he was going to be able to get to that ball. We've seen him make that play. Yep. And, you know, I, I don't think Gene is, is the type of guy who's going to elicit memories of Ozzie Smith or Omar Vizquel, but he generally makes the routine. He is pretty accurate with his throws. And when Gene focuses, he's an above-average shortstop. But as it plays out metrically, he plays to about an average shortstop who makes impact on the bases and is an exceptional offensive player. Got a few minutes left We're here with Jerry on the magazine. And, Jerry, I'm closing my eyes and trying to imagine where inside Safeco Field the pitch clock will go. I can't. I haven't quite figured it out. But this is, you know, Rob Manfred, commissioner of baseball, was uh, very honest with the media during the All-Star break saying that baseball has not made any progress in pace of play or pace of action. 3.05 was the average time of game, which if that holds, that will be the longest ever. Uh, what are your feelings on the idea of a pitch clock? Because it sounds like unilaterally, if the commission wants to do it, he can put it in this coming season in 2018. That is fact. You know, it would, MLB, the commissioner, do have the right to, to implement the pitch clock or, or really any other on-field change, at least for a period of time during the, the, the current CBA. Uh, ideally, you don't want to do that. You want it to be a negotiated understanding between the, the players and the and the league, because it's it's the players' game, you know. And and there's we do need to play at a quicker pace, three hours and five minutes. I I don't mind. I have nothing else to do. But <laughs> as a as a general rule, you know, we do want to appeal to a fan base that might think a little quicker. And, and you know, I like the chess match. We need to play it at a little bit of a quicker pace. And and the easiest way to do that is with is with the pitcher. It's it's to get the pitches coming to home plate quicker. We've been doing it in minor league baseball now for a handful of years. The results have been great. Minor league games move faster. There's a pace to it. And you will see today if you're watching the the Mariners play, Andrew Moore moves. He is pitching. He gets the ball. He throws it. And there's a reason why, because that's what he's always done. Do you feel that it benefits them? Oh, absolutely. And I think it will take a little bit longer transition for the major league players. But now that we're cultivating a group of young players who've been exposed to it for years in the minors, once we turn that clock on in the big leagues, whether it's 2017, 18, mm -hmm. or 19, once that clock's on in the big leagues, 80% of the guys out there are going to ha have dealt with it already and be quite used to it.